0: are on the line. 502. You're on the line with Noah
1: Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 1067 and Fox Board Central, Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everybody. You know, I'm a little disappointed. Just a tad bit. Nobody called to celebrate yesterday. Everybody was all up in arms and angry all week last week. Nobody called in this week to talk about an awesome win.
2: What's wrong with the people, Lance? It's kind of the way Auburn goes, right? You know, it's just the way it is, and I, I'm I'm not mad at anybody for not calling in, but like it would have been it would have been nice to celebrate it with, with some of the callers. You know, Terry, I would have loved to to have gotten his thoughts on Bo Nicks and his performance. Right, that would have been fun. Uh, but but yeah, uh, would love to hear everybody's thoughts though heading into this Georgia game. I'm sure people are going to be talking about it.
1: Number to call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Our text line at three three four five six four one eight four zero. Thoughts on Auburn's win over LSU thoughts on Auburn's game upcoming against Georgia this Saturday I am incredibly optimistic as you can see but we will talk about that later on this week I don't even want to get to the Georgia game yet Lance I want to go back to this past weekend's win 24 to 19 over LSU in Baton Rouge let's break it down three reasons why Auburn beat LSU this past weekend we gave general impressions
2: yesterday let's dig in deeper today I think the first thing for me is the fact that the defense made adjustments. We have not seen them make a, a lot of adjustments uh, so far this season. We saw in the Penn State game, it was just kind of the consistent same thing over and over again, right? And the second half against Georgia State, it seemed like Auburn came out there and they were on fire. They were making tackles. They were making stops. They shut down Georgia State. It was like, okay, they were able to make adjustments in the second half. Can they make adjustments earlier than that? And about halfway through the second quarter, it really seemed like Auburn turned it on against LSU. So this team... Like you've mentioned time and time and time again, Noah, let's not sell this defense short because they're still trying to learn this new scheme. And it seems like through five games now, Auburn is progressively learning this new scheme and they're learning how to make adjustments quicker.
1: And they're playing shorthanded. You missed Jacoby McLean for a half last week against Georgia State. Owen Papo's been out for several weeks now. T.D. Moultrie didn't play. You don't know if you're going to have him back this week. You've had a bit of a revolving door at the other safety spot alongside Smoke Monday. It looks like Zion Zion Puckett is beginning to take over that spot, but we also saw by Darius Knight get the interception to close out the ball game. You're still seeing some time split between those two. Zion Puckett got hurt in that LSU game. There's just been a there's kind of been some in and out like guys aren't haven't some players haven't hammered down their spot on that defense and that's been due to injury that's been due to for for whatever reason that TD Moultrie's not out there and there's just been some some openings on that defense and while they're still learning a new scheme I think that they're playing just fine and and people need to calm down about it
2: hopefully that LSU game maybe assuaged some folks worries about this defense moving forward let me tell you who is seems to be healthy now though Jalen Simpson was out there against LSU looks great and he looked fantastic according to PFF he was one of the highest graded corners in the SEC this past weekend he's a guy that I have really liked since day one against that game uh, against Kentucky uh, in 2020 and now that he's back healthy Auburn needs all the depth they can get
1: That's another reason I love that you bring up Jalen Simpson because he's somebody that we really didn't see through the first couple of weeks and now you get to see him that extra player that extra cornerback you need three or four corners and at this point Auburn's only had two it's been Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett and I even think it's kind of been touch and go with both of those guys this year but part of that could be because of the scheme and them trying to pick up this zone coverage and whatnot but it got better On Saturday against LSU so I love what you said there about the defense I'll make my first point about the defense as well Auburn made Max Johnson uncomfortable first drive first couple drives when they were up 13 to 0 what was he like 12 for 12 and I was thinking here we go again man this is unreal that this quarterback is able to complete this many passes for this many yards in a row like I, I was like no this cannot be Penn State all over again I was very I was downtrodden at the end of the first quarter by what we were saying on the defensive side of the football, but from that moment on, about eight minutes left in that second quarter, or, or really after that first touchdown, because they were able to get a couple of field goals out of LSU as well. It's not like they let them score three straight touchdowns to open up the ball game, even though they were able to drive. Auburn started to be able to get some pressure on Max Johnson, whether they were blitzing or not. And as you saw by the end of the ball game, Auburn started just bringing two players and dropped back several more into coverage than they had been all season long. I'm not advocating for a two-man rush because that won't work against Georgia this upcoming week. That won't work against Alabama. That won't work against some of the better offensive lines on this schedule. But I think Auburn knew, hey, we may not be getting consistently to the quarterback, and at this point, with the way that the game has developed, we don't need to continue to descend you know, four guys if it's not going to necessarily produce sacks. But they were still making Max Johnson uncomfortable, and they did get three sacks in the ballgame. So I think you can point to they even got a strip sack in there as well. You, you you look at it, Max Johnson was significantly more uncomfortable at the start of the second quarter on for the rest of the ballgame, as evidenced by the fact that he barely finished above 50% after starting nearly perfect on the first couple of drives of the ball game barely finished above 50% across the course of the ball game is 26 for 46 on the day. So, I think there was a lot of positives to look at there from what the team was able to do from a pass rushing perspective with still not bringing a ton of
2: blitzers. I will say on top of adding pressure to Max Johnson, I will say my in my second point, LSU being one dimensional is one of the reasons why Auburn won this game. You can't traditionally go to two- and three-man fronts all the time and essentially just dare the offense to run the ball. You can't just put five guys in the box. Like you said, it's not going to work against Georgia. It's not going to work against Bama. It's not going to work against some of these, these teams that are potent on offense that can actually run the football as well, teams like Arkansas, Ole Miss. But looking at this defense, you know, they were able to go out there and do a lot of things that benefited them when it came to pass defense. And LSU, all they can do is throw the football. Like I mentioned on yesterday's show, LSU against Power 5 opponents is averaging less than two yards a carry. That's really not good, and they weren't able to do much against Auburn on Saturday. In fact, they were held to a season low in rushing yards. So I think them being one-dimensional benefited Auburn because at the end of the day, it kind of simplified the adjustments that Auburn needed to make.
1: Another point that I want to get to, I want to go to the offensive side of the football now. Auburn converted on third downs 7 for 16 and not all of those were short yardage situations they also converted on fourth downs as well I think that's a big part of why Auburn won the ball game Auburn came up clutch in crucial down situations whether it was third or fourth down so I'll even amend that but third downs is something that you can look at and see Auburn was near 50% LSU was not a big difference there between these two teams. LSU finished 6-for-17 on third down. Auburn finished 7-for-16. That's a big difference from a percentage standpoint. And at the end of the day, you look at the way the, this game developed and who was moving the chains in crucial down situations. Outside of the first quarter, LSU didn't do it. Auburn did. And that made the difference in the ball game. Talk about Sean Shivers, some of the swing passes that he was able to bring out. He had two or three receptions that were able to move some key down situations for Auburn. Bo Nix extending the play on fourth down and giving his team a shot to get open. Some people out there will say that's a fluke. That is not a fluke. He's been doing this in his, his entire career and you can even hear what he said in the post-game press conference. He looked up. I mean, it's fortunate that he looks up and sees from wide open, but that is a that is an incredibly difficult pass to make with four white jerseys bearing down upon you about to knock your head off which is exactly what happened and he set his feet and delivered a catchable pass Bo Nix was phenomenal at moving the chains in in very difficult situations Auburn was clutch on key downs in order to be able to win this ball game I mean you you can't spin it any other way LSU was
2: not they were consistently throughout the night and then Bo Nix shouldered the load he became a truck in this game not yes, a trailer did. and he shook off his past road woes now are we going to see him struggle on the road in other games this season probably I don't but know who, who are the toughest road environments that we're going to you know and, A&M and M is one and I, I know that, that that place is a joke it's true it's true but still <laughs> the, de- the defense for, for a is still solid right and, and maybe I, I think it is
1: I mean they still give up 26 to Mississippi State
2: it's not it's not like they they gave up like 30 or yeah. 35. I'm my my point being is that Knicks is not going to be able to like to to go out there and be perfect every single mm-hmm. game. And he wasn't perfect in this game, but when it comes to like you mentioned the clutch factor, that made him almost perfect essentially. And the in the moments when he needed to step up when it was like okay, you have to get this third down, you have to get this fourth down, like you need to do it, he was able to deliver a ball, he was able to scramble, he was able to find his guys. He was calm. This team was calm. They looked prepared, and they went out there, and they just did what needed to be done and get a little Auburn magic in there, mix it up, and you've got yourself a win. Are we on point number two
1: or point number three for you?
2: That was point number three, Bo Bo Nix shouldering the load. So my three points are the defense made adjustments, LSU being one-dimensional, benefited Auburn tremendously, and then Bo Nix shouldering the load and becoming a truck, not a trailer.
1: My last one here, and this will branch off of you talking about Bo becoming a truck not a trailer at least for this game commitment to the passing game from this coaching staff finally paid off you got to a point third quarter ish midway through the third quarter you could look at the play splits for Auburn and you could see Auburn had 35 passes to 16 rushes or 14 rushes or something like that it was heavily skewed towards the passing game and I'm sure a lot of Auburn fans out there were like why are we not running the football I liked what this coaching staff did from a game plan perspective, and honestly, I was asking myself the same question at that point, and Auburn started to run the ball more midway through the third quarter on. And the reason for that is because the passing game, they, they finally were able to get it going to a degree. LSU had to respect it with what Bo Nix was doing, not only getting out of the pocket and some of the throws that he was making, but Auburn was moving the chains via throwing the football. LSU had to start respecting it, and then that brought players out of the tackle box, which allowed Auburn to close the ball game out on the ground. And that's exactly how they do it. That's exactly how they did it. How did Auburn score the game-winning touchdown? Jarquez Hunter moved them up and down the field and then punched it in in the end zone. You know, so at the end of the day, what we knew about this team, and you and I said this on Friday, at the end of the day, if Auburn's going to be a good football team this year, if Auburn's ever going to be a good football team, and we know this, they have to be able to throw the ball. They have to. Any team in college football in this day and age, if you're going to be good, you have to be able to throw the ball. You can't be one-dimensional. Auburn, if they had continued to just say, and done what Gus Malzahn would have done and just kept running the football over and over and over and over and over and over again, hoping to finally break through, they wouldn't have. Because LSU wouldn't have had to move any guys out of the box and Auburn wouldn't have been able to throw the football to be able to win the ball game. Auburn went into this game and said, look, we've got to get our passing game right. If we don't get our passing game right, We won't be right at all this season. We won't be able to beat A&M. We won't be able to beat Arkansas, Ole Miss. We won't be able to pull these things off because teams won't respect our passing game, and they're just going to continue to stack the box, which is what Georgia State did, and Georgia State almost pulled the upset, right? So they continued to hammer away at the passing game. They figured it out and moved players out of the tackle box and allowed Auburn to be able to do what they want to do, which is be balanced and have a rushing attack as a compliment to the passing game and a passing game as a compliment to the rushing attack they want balance and they couldn't do that until they figured out the passing game and in order to do that they had to have an overwhelming commitment to it even when it wasn't consistently working in the game in baton rouge and it
2: ended up panning out for them they didn't abandon it and when you look ahead to this game against georgia i think it's really helpful that auburn was able to figure that out this weekend at least a little bit right because talking about lsu being one-dimensional that severely damage their ability to get back into the game with Auburn if they're going to stick in the game like they did against Baton Rouge like you just mentioned they're gonna have to be able to do a little bit of both these receivers are going to have to get open they're going to have to commit no matter how many times the receiver drops it no matter how many times a guy just doesn't get open you have to force your opponent to respect the passing game If you're going to want to run the ball with two of the best running backs in the country, you've got to be able to be diverse. You've got to be able to get guys out of the tackle box. That's what Auburn did this weekend. That's why they won. If they're going to have a shot this weekend against one of the best defenses in the nation, they've got to be able to throw the ball a little bit around. And these receivers definitely have to step up and help them out.
1: Just look at Arkansas. Were they able to throw the ball this weekend? No. Have they really been able to throw the ball at all this year? Not really. A couple of shot plays and a couple of plays where Traylon Traylon Burks did a lot of the work and I'm namely looking at the A&M game there. So you break it down that way, and I said, me and you talked about this Arkansas game a little bit last week. We said, what's well, going to happen? And me and you picked Arkansas to lose, handling. I said, I said Georgia would cover, and if not, it would be like 17 points and maybe like a back door for Arkansas. I didn't expect 37 to 0, but I expected Georgia to control the game in all phases up front, which was going to completely eliminate anything and everything that Arkansas would be able to do on the offensive side of the football. And that is exactly what happened. Why? Because they're one dimensional and they can't throw the football. They can't. Auburn has a little bit more of a passing game, I think, than Arkansas does. They may not have nearly as good of receivers as Arkansas does because I'm looking at Traylon Burks and even those running backs I think maybe are better receiving backs than what Auburn's got at this point not better overall running backs but receiving backs Arkansas's got some guys that can come out of the backfield and catch the football but the passing game is elementary it's not challenging for a defense to have to cover it a lot of it is horizontal not a lot of it is vertical Georgia was able to clamp down on that with their athletes and they were able to control the game up front and so they blew them out Auburn on the other hand has brought a lot more verticality to their offense than previous years. And Bo started making some of those throws. Bo got some protection this past week. Still, I go back to Auburn's offensive line has only allowed three sacks this year, only three. Now, a lot of that does have to do with the fact that Bo's been able to scramble and extend the play, but he's also not running for his life as much as he was last year. Right. Even in the big games against Penn State and, and LSU, I don't think he is running for his life as much as he was last year. The, the plays that Bo made that were out of, out of his mind – were were far and few between in this ball game. There were only a handful of times where he had to do that. Right. It's just
2: we remember those because they were spectacular plays. Even McIlroy pointed out. On the two fourth downs, he's like, he's giving it a chance. He's sitting in the pocket, he's waiting yes. for somebody to come open. And then he's like, Sometimes you gotta go. But Bo Nix actually held in there and he was waiting for somebody to get open. And he's like, Okay, now it's go time. Now I've got to start creating. Now I've got to, to uh to start extending the play. That's what good quarterbacks do. And so for Auburn, if that's the way their offense operates, if that's the way it goes, it's like, okay, nobody's open backyard football time, and you create off of scramble drills and off of things getting chaotic, which we've seen. John not- Got drafted number one because of it right if that's the way it works that's the way it works we've not only seen for this Auburn program we've not only seen it in this sport what we've seen it in a bunch of different sports Auburn thrives in the chaos so if that's the way you want to operate with your offense go for it it's been working but I will say your receivers have got to become more consistent
1: and I think the receivers did get a little bit better this weekend marginally better and we'll talk about that on the other side of this break you're listening to on the line Back going on the line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Come on, call in, say something about, say something nice about this Auburn Tigers team. There was a lot of angst last week. Somebody get pumped up, excited that Auburn beat LSU and Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999. In turn, Belichick, that, that information that you gave me during the break, that was from a verified source, right? You feel confident in that information? Belichick, you got me? That The stuff about basketball, was that from a verified source?
3: Yeah, that was uh, the press conference that they were just having.
1: Tell me about it. Tell everybody about what, uh, what, what was going on with Auburn men's basketball there.
3: So Friday they'll have a pro day for uh – Pretty much for Jabari Smith, and uh, they have twenty. Oh, don't be
2: disrespectful. There's some other dudes that could go pro off this team. Flanagan it, can still shoot without one foot. He it, could still uh, he'd still knock him down. He's still he's still shooting this would have been a, chair,
1: a big though. game for 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 Flanagan, or not a big game, a, a big day for Flanagan, of course, because I think he would have had a shot. But
3: yeah, but they have uh, twenty-eight of the thirty NBA teams coming uh, to watch. So I guess two and teams he didn't, didn't s- want to win. Well, he did say that uh,
2: the they should have all thirty by Friday. Oh. Uh. Okay. Two teams just didn't really care that much. They kind of care. <laughs> so we
1: might. Uh, no, they just wanted to be fashionably late and, and responded. They didn't want to seem too anxious, too too excited, too eager to get Jabari Smith. Right. You know? Right. Sometimes I, it's
2: it's that you, you got to be that way.
1: You forget Walker Kessler though. That is a former five star there, and NBA teams would love a center that is seven feet tall that can shoot the basketball. Is Jalen Williams an NBA player? Um, he's definitely held back. I think a little bit by his frame. But, and I think there are some other areas of his game that need to flesh out a little bit. No, he is not right now. I'm not going to rule out the possibility for him to become one. But he's got good ball handling. That's nice. But, like, who would you compare him to? Like, play style, you would kind of compare him to a Draymond Green, right? Yeah. But he's nowhere near as talented with the basketball in his hands as Draymond Green is. And Draymond Green's not even, like, uh, he's good, but, like, is he? is he, like, that amazing, flashy, is that, you know, that fluid, I like, guess. Or or dominant, I think is the right word for me to say about Draymond Green. And like how many Draymond Greens are there in the NBA that are like him? Not many. He's kind of like a unicorn without being dominant. So for Jalen Williams, if he can get his ball handling to be better than it is, which he's got good ball handling, if he can improve his jumper a little bit, which I don't think is consistent enough to warrant a spot on an NBA roster because he's not good enough down low. He's just not like he he's a I love Jalen Williams. I think he's a very good college basketball player. But if you asked me a question about his ability to translate to the NBA right he he is in a similar vein of player as Chumo Okiki. and he does not possess the same type of skills at least to at this point yet as Chumo Okiki,
2: yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, i I've heard some people say that he is an NBA draft prospect. And while I think, like you just mentioned, I think he's a fantastic college basketball player. I think he's a great athlete. I just don't know if he has what it takes to really amp up his game and take it to the next level and be somebody that is on the forefront of the NBA in terms of being on a roster. And I may be wrong here, but look, there there's 60 draft spots, okay? Right. And really, if you, and look
1: at what happened to Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper signed a two-way contract. He's probably not even going to play that much for the Hawks this year. He may not play at all for the Hawks this year. Jared Harper had a two-way contract and he played like four minutes in the NBA, you know? So, and, and Sharif Cooper was 12 picks away from last, you know? Like even, you can make the argument that only really the first 30 picks of the NBA draft matter, you know? The the second round, there's no guarantee that you even get signed to be on the team. Now, since the G League has, has been created and has fleshed out a lot and a lot of these teams have affiliates, oftentimes they do get signed to two-way contracts now and they are going to get to... They're going to get an opportunity but it may only be for you know like two minutes in a ball game and they're going to play for their g league team for pretty much the rest of the season that does happen but it, it, it's a very it's very difficult for somebody outside of the first round to find their way to consistent starting time and when we see it, it it's awesome because you think about Jer- jeremy jeremy lynn you think about isaiah thomas you you can name players that have done it but it's still very difficult for it to happen and more times than not guys don't make it there right and Jalen Williams, I, I I don't know if he fits into even the caliber of 60 players that get drafted because once again I go back to we all thought Sharif Cooper was a first round talent, right? And look at where he got drafted, 12 spots from last. Like he didn't he, he was he was like 48th overall in this year's NBA draft, and he's really talented. He was one of the best point guards in all of college basketball last year, and he would be this year as well if he were to return. Jalen Williams. Compared to other players at his position, and a lot of those freshmen, a lot of those diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale would say, those guys possess some next-level athleticism and some next-level intangibles that I don't know if we've necessarily seen from Jalen Williams yet. Jalen Williams, once again, fantastic college basketball player. He's one of my favorite basketball players on this team. But I, I another player that I want to compare this to. People were asking if Mustafa Heron several years ago was an NBA player. And I held to, I don't think he is, because when I compared Mustafa Herod's athleticism level to that of the players that would be guarding him in the NBA, I thought he would have been easily guardable in the NBA. And guess what? Mustafa Harris not playing in the NBA. So I once again, Mustafa Harris was a great college basketball player. So is Jalen Williams. That doesn't necessarily qualify them to make it to the NBA. It's a very exclusive club.
2: Yep. Yep. And again, like, I'm not saying that he's a bad player in college. And neither no. are you. You've said multiple it's times. He's a great player. He's a great athlete. I just don't know if he's got what it takes to get to that next level.
1: And this year will be an opportunity to see that and I think he's going to get an increased minutes load now that Alan Flanagan's down, but it's 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 an athleticism thing, it's a speed thing, it's a how does he handle the basketball? It has a shooting stroke improved. He's got a high octane energy around the rim to go and gobble up rebounds, but Everybody in the NBA has got a high octane energy level for going and gobbling up rebounds, especially at his frame and at his size. You think about Chumo Kiki. You think about some undersized players that go to the league. Think about uh, why am I forgetting his last name? Is Grant what he played at Tennessee a couple years uh, ago? Williams. Yeah, you think about Grant Williams. That guy's six foot five and he's playing for the Boston Celtics at power forward. Why? Because he's got a high octane energy for getting the basketball and going and gobbling it up and cleaning up the glass. Jalen Williams has got that. He's not alone.
3: Belichick. Uh, yeah. he I was going to say, Grant Williams really reminds me of what Deshaun Murray was for Auburn a yep. few years ago. Like, he's way undersized to be playing down low, mm-hmm. but he just, he, that ball just goes to him. And he's kind of
1: like a running back in this, and I'm making a football analogy here. He's kind of like a running back in the sense that his low center of gravity and how big he is, because he is built out, he's huge. He's able to push guys around down low because he's able to get that leverage around your waist and, and he's able to box people out that is still an energy and an effort thing and once again i want to go back to that's not me saying that jalen williams doesn't have that jalen williams has that and he has it at a high level but the difference is there are guy. everybody in the nba has that that's how they got there the difference here is a lot of guys in the nba have the frame and the bodies that build out to that and that's just the unfortunate situation there for
3: williams Uh, another thing about frame is what you just said uh jabari smith said that he put on uh about 20 pounds since he's come on campus. Jalen Williams or Jabari Smith? Jabari Smith. Ooh. So people who are saying he might be so too he small, skinny. he's put on 20 pounds and he says he feels really good right now. So, And he also just predicted that Auburn's going to beat Georgia this weekend. So.
1: I, I'm, I'm looking over at a pile of steam in the in the far corner because Lance's <laughs> head just blew up.
2: I'm just saying, like he, he <laughs> found he found out, he took one look at Kevin Durant in college, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and make the change before, before I get to that point. And I think we're gonna see something very, very special on the planes this uh, this this basketball season.
1: It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. People don't want me to say this because Kevin Durant's a transcendent player, one of the best players um that we've seen all time in the NBA as far as shooting is concerned at his size, but they're similar.
2: They're 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 similar in their and their and their build, they're similar in their game. This team outside of Smith, with all the talent and all of the depth that they have It would be great to have Flanagan back whenever SEC play really gets going because I think this team has the ability to just take off. I think they've got the ceiling for Auburn national championship. I think there's there's not a whole lot of debating that. This team has so much talent on it. It's just simply that good. John
1: Rothstein wrote about him as a Dark Horse Final Four team this
2: past week. It is the chemistry there, though, is what I'm wondering, because you have all these transfers, right? It's a hodgepodge of this talent, right? Youth, experience, it's a really good blend. Will this team be able to get that chemistry together by the time SEC play starts to wind down and tournament play starts?
1: Sting said, mouth right there, dark horse, like, to us, we know how talented this team is. But what's awesome is this team somehow is still flying under the radar because the rest of the nation does not know. They will.
2: I wonder where they'll be in the polls whenever the polls come out.
1: Let's take a quick break here on On The Line.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance
2: Dahl with you. Lance, good show today. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to have a lot more to talk about later on the show. Going to get us to uh, some takeaways from the weekend that we didn't get to yesterday. We've got our Making a headlines segment, as always. Going to give our SEC West and East hierarchies, and if you miss any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll have it uploaded as soon as we can after the show ends at 4. Take us through our next segment right here, my man our next segment here we are going to get to our sec west hierarchy we're going to rank the teams in the sec west after saturday's action i think i think based on conversations that we've had off air and on air we may have a pretty similar list here. So let's go ahead. Do you want to start at the bottom or start at the top in the SEC will we'll Start at the top and you go first. Start at the top. I think it's Alabama right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of debating that. Alabama's played pretty well up until this point. Now, obviously, the Florida game was a cause for concern, especially seeing how Florida played against Kentucky this past weekend. But I think this Alabama team is really complete from top to bottom. The defensive line is actually getting pressure this year. It's not something that, we, that we've seen for two years, like Alabama be as dominant as, as they have been in the past, right? This season, it feels feels like they're getting sacks, they're flying around, they're making plays, and the rushing attack This we saw this last weekend, the offensive line seems to be gelling a little bit. Bryce Young is still on schedule. When the pocket breaks down, and I said this would be a really important key to the game this past weekend, I think it's going to be a key to the season. When the pocket breaks down, Bryce Young is not somebody that wants to scramble. It doesn't feel like ever. He always has his eyes downfield. He's always looking to make that play, and he typically does. He typically has delivered so far this season. We've seen this Alabama team, just when things get bad, they've been able to overcome it. And I think that's a quality of a championship team. So Alabama right now, number one in the SEC West.
1: There's a decent gap between Alabama and everybody else in the SEC West, but I think that that's a gap that can be closed rather quickly with any of these teams improving. Now, granted, they've already I, – I, With the way that they handled Ole Miss, I don't think that many of these teams left in the SEC West can hope to beat Alabama, and they're all stacked up at the end anyway. I mean, Arkansas and Auburn, but Arkansas can't throw the football. Auburn's got the talent, and they've done it with the quarterback that they've got, so I do think Auburn's got a shot this year, but there's still a lot of time, and Alabama could get better, Auburn could could get worse. You just don't know how it's going to unfold, but I'm with you. Alabama at number one at this point and the sec west number two lance number two i have auburn same i think think
2: auburn's the second best team in the west right now you look up and down the 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 conference as a whole and you look at this specific division the the sec west uh, even though there are four or five teams ranked and half the conference is ranked in the sec they seem to somewhat be eating each other alive and now that we're five to six weeks into the season we've kind of gotten an idea of what the picture could potentially look like at the end of the season now there's a lot of ball still left to be played but Auburn up until this point their only loss has come to the number four team in the nation by by a touch a a a possession if Auburn went for two and they were throwing for the end zone at the end of that game against Penn State that's their only loss this season to the fourth best team in the nation fourth best in in quotes we'll find that I
1: think they probably are though I don't think we can put that in air quotes anymore because everybody else stinks I like I, I don't see how that they're
2: I don't think we have enough information to say that they're not playing against Iowa this weekend will really solidify that in my mind if they go out there and win because what Iowa's been able to do to everyone this season is force them to 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 throw interceptions right they're on pace to have 31 picks this season which is insane that's absolutely insane if if Sean Clifford is able to survive that on the road in Iowa uh, I would be really impressed with this Penn State squad Auburn though The way that they played up until this point, you know, obviously Georgia State, you and I both agreed that game was somewhat of of an anomaly. We're probably not going to see that again this season. They were able to break the curse in Baton Rouge. They've got some momentum heading into this Georgia game. Auburn right now is the second-best team in the West.
1: I agree with that. You have to compare Auburn to the other teams that they're clumped up with, and I think there is a club of teams here, two through five at the moment. Even you could say six with Mississippi State. M's further is further behind than all of these teams because of their quarterback situation. You can say that there's at least a competent quarterback at two through six in the SEC right now, and they're all still trying to figure out their own issues at this point. But like Auburn, Arkansas, Ole Miss LSU, Mississippi State, there's not a whole lot separating all of these teams right now. So the the direction in which that the conference splits off from here out as we've now get deeper and deeper into conference play, that's going to decide a lot of things in these power rankings that we've got right here. I mean Auburn's playing Arkansas next week you know after Georgia then they get to play Ole Miss so like you're going to know exactly where Auburn fits in this pecking order at the end of October going into November which I still think after what we've seen at this point based on the information what we have I believe Auburn is better than Arkansas and Ole Miss at this point I do not believe in Arkansas's strength of schedule at this point and I don't believe in what Ole Miss has done either because I think a ms bad and I think that Texas was playing the wrong quarterback in week two. And I think you would agree with me, that game may be a lot different in Arkansas and Texas if Casey Thompson's the starting quarterback. Yeah. Arkansas still may win, but like it's not going to be a blowout. And people's perception of both Texas and Arkansas may be a little bit different at this point. Also, if A&M didn't come into the season with the hype that they had, Arkansas wouldn't have been number eight last week because they beat them 20-10. to 10. Like, whoop-de-doo, A&M is bad, guys. Bad. Go ahead, preview it. They're last on my list. a and the worst team in the SEC West right now. End of story. Close the book. They just lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas, the two teams that everybody else thought was going to be last this year. And we if you think Ole Miss and LSU are decent, like a and is not good. They're bad. Now, could they get better when Haynes King, get, King gets back? Sure. But I've got Auburn at two. Who do you have at three?
2: I before before I move on, I wanna point out what I just realized. Do you remember how the storyline coming into this season for Auburn is like, well, one of the things that may benefit them is having that experienced quarterback. Not a lot of teams in the SEC, even in the SEC West, they don't have a quarterback returning. This time next year, I lit it's going to be either six starting quarterbacks returning, and if Matt Corral decides to come back, it's gonna be seven which is wild to think about. It's going to be every single quarterback in the SEC West coming back. That's going to be a fun division next year. Arkansas is the third best team in the West right now in my mind, and I don't really like Ole Miss or Arkansas. Like you said, it's kind of, kind of a mix here, uh, two through five. I think Auburn comes out on top of that mix, but I really don't like either of these teams a whole lot right now. The fact that Arkansas was able to go out and beat two teams uh, with, with a number next to their name is awesome but like you just mentioned, you look at the two teams that they played, and they're not world beaters, and had Texas had Casey Thompson, I think that game would have been a little bit closer.
1: Look deeper than the fact that they had a number next to their
2: name. Exactly. There,
1: there's some major issues there.
2: <laughs> and, and, and I I put them at third, though, because I've just seen them. They've impressed me against what I still think is a more difficult schedule than Ole Miss. 100%. And that I've got Arkansas in that same order. I got
1: Arkansas above Ole Miss, and for the exact same reason, Arkansas has played a tougher schedule at this point than Ole Miss. They have proven more than Ole Miss at this point. Ole Miss had one big game so far, and what has happened to them?
2: They got dismantled. And had Alabama kept their foot on the gas, I don't know if they would have gotten to twenty-one points.
1: I don't know if Alabama would have stopped at forty-two either. I think it would have been a lot, lot more than that. I mean, you could have been looking at like sixty-two to 10, 62 to thirteen. You know, like Alabama really could have done that to them if they wanted to, but they didn't. And, um, you know, I mean, there's something to respect there with that, but four, I do have Ole Miss, is that where you've got them? Yes.
2: The reason I have Ole Miss here is because this would be against
1: LSU or Mississippi state.
2: So kind of sell me on that. The reason that I have them higher is because I, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to put stock in, in preseason stuff. Because at the end of the day, it may not truly matter what everybody was projecting. The team may be much better than everybody perceived them to be, or they may be much worse, i.e. Texas A&M. But when you look at this Ole Miss team, I still have stock in Lane Kiffin in this offense. And I think moving down the line, they are going to be able to, to recoup and they're going to be able to win some games. Unlike some of the teams underneath them, I don't think they have the offensive firepower to do it. And something that Terry's mentioned a lot is like, sure – defense wins championships not in today's age you've got to be able to score some points and I think Ole Miss at the end of the day has better offenses more complete offenses than these other four teams
1: Ole Miss versus LSU was what it came down to and I had to think about it because I still think this is a decent LSU football team they've gotten better since what happened against UCLA in week one how much better it may not be enough to make a difference because at this point all they can do on offense is throw the football and I believe they throw the football very well This is a good passing offense. They can't run the ball. They had .9 yards per carry against Auburn. I think. Maybe it was .4. Either way, it was less than a yard. That's very bad. They had 11 rushing yards. 11. We only sacked them three times, Lance. They had 11 rushing yards. What? That's terrible. And then you break it down on the defensive side of the football. I don't think it's a bad defense, but it's not a good defense either. It's just kind of above average.
2: It's above where they were last year. Yes, but it's, a lot a lot better. I don't think it's above average in college football.
1: I don't know. I still think they've got good secondary players outside of Derek Stingley, and they've proven that in his absence. Eli Rick's still playing very well. Float or Flott, however you pronounce his Flat. last name, he's playing. He's playing very well right now as well. well let me tell you, what the defensive f- line's got a pass rush too. Even though they had zero sacks on Auburn, but
2: let me, let me tell you what Flott did: two or three different times, and it wasn't called. Not once in that game was pass interference called on no. one of LSU's DBs, and there were multiple instances. Not just as an Auburn fan, you cannot hook. A receiver and prevent him from catching the football. You can't do that. And there were two instances with Kobe Hudson specifically where Flot did that and nothing was said yeah, about it.
1: There was a lot of, I thought there was some PI that went, that didn't get called, but I guess you could say the same way for Auburn. There was one or two, I think, that could have yes. gone against Auburn as well. They, they let him play. And I appreciate that. I think I would rather an official let the teams play and not call pass interference than to have flags littering the field all over the
2: place for P.I., because that's just frustrating.
1: Free 15 yards makes me very angry. (laughs)
2: LSU at fifth for me for the reasons that I stated earlier. Again, I just don't right now in my mind – LSU is not a more complete team than Ole Miss. And when you're looking down the line.
1: To be fair, we don't know that yet. I agree with you. I put Ole Miss at four and LSU at five, but
2: there is still more information to be had about that, right? LSU lost to what is now, like, what? A two and three UCLA squad? A two, uh, three and two UCLA squad? They're three and two. Three and two. Yeah. And and they, they lost to an Auburn squad that we truly, I, I do It was think on the know, brink. <laughs> that, was on, that was on the brink of destruction. If, if, if LSU was going to keep the streak alive, I know LSU's not a very good team. We said that going into the game. It, it would have been a great opportunity. It was like, okay, this Auburn team is down and out right now in terms of momentum. Let's go ahead and knock them out. It seemed like for a quarter and a half that's what they were going to do, but Auburn made adjustments. Right now, LSU not having a ground game really, really concerns me. Because if Auburn is able to hold them back in the passing game for for three and a half for, for three quarters or so, I think there's some other teams on the schedule that can definitely do that, and it, it will cost them a game in a more severe way than a five point loss.
1: My opinion of LSU is going to be is going to continue to be sculpted by this weekend's game against Kentucky. Kentucky's got a good defense. I don't like that offense at all, but no. their defense is good. And if LSU really struggles at Kroger Field on offense enough to lose the game, then I will I will have questions. But if LSU beats Kentucky, upsets them this weekend, then like I could see them beating Ole Miss, I could see them beating Arkansas, and then even LSU can move up to third in the league.
2: And bowl eligibility is back on the table because right now in my mind. It's going to be really tough. You and I were talking about this. They traded places.
1: LSU and Auburn traded places. Right.
2: It's so crazy how it was so similar the storylines of how desperately these teams needed a win in Baton Rouge and the consequences thereof after. You look at LSU's schedule, they've got five top 25 teams that they've got to play. Now, you may say, well, Arkansas and Ole Miss are not as good as we may have thought, and Kentucky is not a great football team. Even though they're undefeated right now, they are not a great football team. I don't don't think there's a whole lot of arguing with that. But it's still really difficult. You've still got to go out and win those games. I know you've got home games against ULM and A&M to wrap up the season. That gets you to five wins, potentially. But you have to upset somebody in those five games, and that's going to be tough to do. If they beat Kentucky this weekend, ball eligibility is absolutely back on the table.
1: You know, there's been some jarring hits to the AP Top 25 every single week, and somebody beats somebody in the teens, and then all of a sudden they jump up to like 16 themselves, like Mm -hmm. when UCLA beat LSU and they just traded
2: places. If LSU beats Kentucky, do they get ranked? Uh, That would be really funny to see, but I doubt it because of how down people have been on uh, LSU since the beginning of the year when they lost to UCLA. And you look at UCLA now, it's just like, oh, that wasn't as great of a win as we thought it was.
1: Lance, do we have the exact same list? Is Mississippi State at 6 and AM and at 7? Yeah.
2: I love it. I absolutely love it. I said, I was like, yeah, based on conversations, we, we didn't talk about this list at all. We no. just, we've, we just like, based on conversations we had so far this year, I'm going to guess we have the same list. So I mean, Mississippi State just proved it on the football
1: field. Yeah. And LSU, I mean, you look at 5, 6, and 7, LSU beat Mississippi State, Mississippi State beat A&M, LSU and A&M haven't played yet, and I, I know that college football doesn't shake out that way, but at this point, that... Quali- that, that qualifies them to be five six and seven in that order in these
2: power rankings that's the hierarchy of the bottom of our hierarchy what has a
1: done this year other they than, beat
2: colorado 10 to 7 guys other than that's what they've done 90 million dollars <laughs>
1: i don't know if i go that far i mean i i projected this to be a down year for AM. how jimbo fisher responds from that determines whether or not it was a waste of 90 million dollars right but uh i i and I, I don't know how much better they're going to be next year. Yeah, You start to lose some of those skill position players. Some of those guys start to graduate. And What this team is being propped up by at this point without Haynes King, and even with Haynes King out there, he's still averaging like a pick every 15 pass attempts, every nine pass attempts. The guy's a turnover machine at this point in his career. I don't know if the offense really gets that much better with Haynes King at quarterback. It wasn't going great with him there. So when he returns, does a get a little bit better? Probably because Haynes King is probably the better quarterback between him and Zach Calzada. Very limited from what we've been able to see from Haynes King and a lot more from what we've seen from Zach Calzada. But A&M's defense is not enough to win football games. It's not. And I know you said earlier that it's a good defense. It is. But 26 to Mississippi State, like that still seems like a lot to me. Like If my team was giving up 26 points per game, I'd be irritated. And that's not a great offense either. That's an offense that got held down by Louisiana Tech and Memphis and NC State, teams that aren't great in their own right. And I think NC State's fine, but still, like, is NC State's defense as talented or as good as Texas a and Probably not. I think you're beginning to see the signs of this A&M defense beginning to buckle against the bottom half of this league. Not not to say that Arkansas's in the bottom half of this league, but they did just play Mississippi State. It's like when they play Ole miss what what happens then you know when they play you know i i think they played missouri in a couple weeks so they do get a reprieve after alabama but where is this AM headspace at after they get beat 56 to 0 by alabama you know like it's going to, it's not going to be close this weekend it's going to be another alabama massacre after that they get the reprieve of playing south carolina and missouri but is that really a reprieve missouri's not good i think south carolina's better than missouri But South Carolina can scratch and claw their way to a bowl game. And we'll talk about that later, but that could be a game that South Carolina could feasibly win on defense and then bang, you're looking at them being bowl eligible at the end of the year. Possibly even a seven-win team if they could upset Clemson.
2: Which is possible. It It is possible. We're living in a world where that is a reality. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Right now, if Auburn played A&M, how many points do the Aggies give up? If Auburn played A&M? Right now. mm. How many points does Texas A&M give up?
1: somewhere between twenty four and twenty
2: eight but I also don't think a m scores twenty I think they give up more than thirty really because that so. o- that offense will will just stall out and it'll be the that downfall.
1: was more of an, an indictment on Auburn right now from an offensive standpoint, but who's to say that Auburn's not better by the end of this week and then the sure. week after that because I think we are beginning to see improvement from auburn on offense but um you know that'll be dictated by what we see this week against georgia and granted i and I think that's completely fair to say I think that's completely fair to um to, to use Georgia as a measuring stick because if Auburn can score you know on four different possessions against Georgia and I'm saying like three touchdowns and a field goal if Auburn score like 24 points on Georgia I'll be impressed I will be because that's the defense that's only giving
2: up four points a game at this point now does Georgia score 24 is the question without with with a quarterback uh in, in question don't know don't know
1: but can Auburn score 24 I also don't know that
2: either so
1: um yeah, that that's kind of where I'm, I'm standing at. I, I know we're already getting to that Georgia game a little bit, but I, I, Georgia's offense is somewhere between only scoring three offensive points against Clemson's defense and scoring 30 offensive points against Arkansas's defense. They're somewhere in between there, and I think that's probably living around 24 25 points in Jordan-Hare Stadium on the road, which is what they did two years ago. Let's take a quick break here on On the Line.
2: Wrapping up our number one of On the Line, Lance Dahl, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 1067 in Foxport, Central Alabama. Really appreciate Intern Belichick and Intern Sting hanging out with us in the studio. And we're going to go ahead and get to the phone lines. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to dial, and Shane is on the line with us. What's up, Shane? Hey, guys,
4: how are you all today?
2: Great, Good, how, are how are you doing? Good. Uh, I had a few comments if you could
4: just go with it. Um, one, if Auburn and A M played right now, I, I think we would. I think it would. We would. It would be a three point. I mean, a three touchdown. You know, victory. I think it'll be like 38-17 kind, of, kind of score. I don't think A M is going to be able to score more than two touchdowns on on their remaining schedule. But I mean, they might. They might kick some field goals and whatnot. But like, if anybody has the defense, they're not getting. You know, it's going to be a struggle for them.
1: Yeah, a And M's. I, I, I'm loving it because I, I said this at the beginning of the year that a would finish six in the West, and I got a lot of people on social media not being not being kind to me about that. And now you see it kind of coming to fruition, even worse than I actually thought it would be. So uh, I'm kind of entertained at the moment.
4: <laughs> I am. I am as well. I, I have always thought that Jimbo it was like a used car salesman. You know, that's that's how I see that that guy. Like just just I don't know. That's, it, it's, he's always been that figure to me. Like. It's just, uh, you know, not, not quite, uh, up, and up Uh, he's getting paid a lot of money for nothing, basically. Um, anyway, no bashing on that guy. He's going to get bashed on for a few, a few, uh, a few weeks here. Uh, especially this next week. Yep. It's going to be ugly. I mean, I think that was going to be an ugly game, but, um, anyway, so I was, I listened to a show, uh, occasionally. There's one before you guys. And, um, out of Montgomery, and they had their guest guest on, and he was talking about how Auburn has zero chance against Georgia, uh, and it's because of who, who they played so far. That was his reasoning, uh, because of uh, who they played so far. And I'm like, who have they played so far? Yeah, they played a Clemson team that the, 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 you know everybody in the ACC is just beating up on them. Uh, UAB
1: hey shane can you hold on we're about to have to we, we got to go to break here at the top of the hour but can you hold on we'll get you on the other side of the break
4: yeah no worries
1: appreciate it shane we'll be back in just a few moments on all the line Hour number two of on the line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on espn one oh six seven at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We have a text line as well, three three four five six four one eight four oh. We're gonna head back to the phone lines now. Shane, we appreciate you waiting over the break. Sorry to had sorry to had to cut you off as we went to the top of the hour. Uh go not back worries, to what you guys. were saying. Uh, yeah, that's
4: not worried. Uh, I was just saying, um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's some fancy ESPN dude, but he was saying that Auburn has no chance in the game, and his reasoning was because of their schedule, who who each each of these teams have played basically, and, and I, I couldn't figure out his logic in it because we, we had we had a one score game to the number four team in in their stadium, the, with the whiteout, basically it came down to the, the, like the last minute one score. And uh, we ended a drought of 20 years in Death Valley. Uh, we did have a close win against Georgia State, but I, I really don't think that's, that's – I think that's pretty fluke. But, but just, just our, our one loss to the number four team and our win in Death Valley, um, and then we blew out a couple other teams versus Georgia's schedule where they beat Clemson, who um, I don't know, two or three losses, not unranked. It looks like they're getting beat up every game. Like no one's scared of them anymore. You know, Boston College, whatever, wait for Forest—they're not scared of something anymore. And um, and then they beat up on college football. Uh, Coast Carolina would whoop the stew out of them. Um, I just don't see the the, the correlation between what the, the the scheduling is the reasoning why we we, we have zero chance in our home stadium. After probably one of the biggest games in Bo Nix's and probably Harson's career,
1: and maybe I'm getting too fired up, but I, I, I you know, I'm optimistic about this weekend. I'm not going to come right out and say right now that I think Auburn's going to win because that, you know, kind of defies logic at this point. But I think it's going to be a close game, and a 14 and a half point line is a little too lofty for me at this point. I think Auburn covers for sure. Um, I, so I agree with I'm you. I'm not saying we're
4: going to win. I'm not saying we're going to win the game. But well, I'm saying that in our home stadium. Because of the the reason is is one of this thing that this bothers me is because his reasoning was because of who we played versus who Georgia played. Yeah, and that's yeah. how that's how that he came up with that. Now Georgia is awesome. I mean, they're they're a good team, especially defensively. They're they are a good team, but they haven't played anybody to be honest. I mean, they have not really played anybody yet. They will. So after this game, then you can say, uh, I I'll believe it. Then you can say. Okay, George. this team? This team, Auburn, is probably this team or this team. Uh, I just think that it's a little premature to say that there's no chance for Auburn based on that in our home stadium. I just, I still, I just have a feeling. I'm not saying we're going to win, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a competitive game down to the down to the end.
1: I I would agree with you. And Brian Harson doesn't seem to be that kind of coach that's going to let his team get blown out either. They make adjustments. They play hard. I said last week that I thought the way that we saw Auburn play in Baton Rouge, win or loss, was going to tell us a lot about the culture. I think as evidenced by a 13 point comeback and beating LSU 24 to six over the last three quarters is a uh, pretty good evidence that the culture is settling in. I think Auburn's going to be ready for the challenge. you, guys. Well,
4: that's pretty much it. Um, I I I I still think we're going to pull pull the victory off. I I do. I'm going to go ahead and say it. So you can you can. I'll come back in and say I can eat bro or, or you, you guys. You know, it's more fun that back. way,
1: though, isn't it, Shane? That's why I tell everybody, it go is. optimistic in, get your hearts. You know, there's there's people that want to protect their heart, and there's people that you know are, are, are going to get fired up. I'm one of those people who gets fired up. I want to believe in something. And then when I get if, – if the loss happens, well, I'm not going to let it ruin my life. I can come back and say I was wrong, you know. Just have exactly, fun along exactly. the way.
4: I will tell you this one last thing, though. Um, it will come down to – the, the beginning of the game, I, not the end of the game. I believe that if we keep getting off the slow starts to, to a team like Georgia, that we're not going to be able to, to etch our way back into it like we've been doing. We really got to start from the snap, from the from the start, you know, the first whistle. yeah, You, you got to get going. I mean, hard, I mean uh, Mason is doing an awesome job with, uh, you know, uh, changing things up once – once the game gets going, he sees what we, where he's given, and then he changes things. That's awesome. Good sign. But we need to start. We need to score quick, and we need to stop that from scoring quick. That's the only way that I see that we can, if we have a chance to win it in the game. But anyway, guys, War for keep listening.
1: Appreciate it, Shane. Yeah, I like Shane's optimism. I like Shane's enthusiasm about it. I want to go back to the point that he was talking about that he was saying was on the round table. Um, I wasn't listening, so I didn't hear the comments. But if that was the sole basis for Auburn having zero chance and like mainly his reasoning, which I'm sure he probably had more reason than just that. But if like, I, I do take issue with bringing up strength of schedule here with Georgia, if, if that's what the nation is saying about the saying, well, Georgia's played this bet this superior schedule to a lot of teams. Albert's played a really difficult schedule. You send people out to Baton Rouge and happy Valley and you see how they handle it. And I think Auburn's handled it pretty well up to this point not only from a communication standpoint, but from really not, al- not allowing those road environments to affect them too much. And honestly, I said this yesterday, Auburn owned Baton Rouge. They owned it. You had four penalties, four, this past weekend. Auburn played great for three quarters. The first quarter was bad. Auburn played great for three quarters. They owned that place. I haven't seen Auburn play that well for, for that extended period of time in Baton Rouge for a very long time. Lance, you're writing a lot of stuff down.
2: Yeah, I was just going through, looking at both Auburn and Clemson schedules. Auburn currently, uh, their opponents that they have played this season are a combined 12 and 14. Auburn and
1: Clemson, or uh, are you looking at Auburn and Jordan? Auburn,
2: Auburn, uh, Auburn schedule rather. It, right now, it, their opponents are a combined 20 and 14 that Auburn has played. Yeah, uh, they they lost by by eight points to the number four team in the nation. Everybody else that they beat, everybody else they've beaten, they're currently outscoring opponents 200 to 81. Clemson. Or it was uh, was the big win obviously for Georgia at the beginning of the year, but uh, the record uh, of Georgia's opponents right now are fifteen and ten. Uh, they have played one re- team that is currently ranked inside the top twenty-five, and that's Arkansas. They're currently ranked thirteenth, and they are outscoring opponents two hundred and five to twenty-three. So I was just looking at how much better, uh, ha- how much more dominant has Clem- or Georgia been rather. Over these teams that don't seem to be more impressive than the teams Auburn has been playing on their their schedule. And
1: what's your assessment?
2: My assessment is that Georgia has been more dominant, and I would argue that uh, UAB and South Carolina and Vanderbilt collectively are more talented than Akron, Alabama State, and Georgia State. And you look at the margin of victory there. I mean they've been they've been out there and they've been they've been dominating specifically on the defensive side of the football. But it does it does not it does not leave out the fact that Auburn is not a bad bad team though I'm not saying that Auburn's not a bad team they've gone out there and they've done what they needed to do and that 24 to 19 win over LSU may not be great LSU may not be a fantastic football team but that's a momentum builder couple that with the fact that Auburn is at home this this weekend there's reason to believe there's optimism that's good for seven points on a line (laughs) yeah that's there's optimism Believe that Auburn can stick in this game for three quarters or so and I, or more. I, or more, I think, depending on the way that the quarterback situation looks for Georgia. So right now, Georgia's been more dominant with a more difficult schedule. But I think with you factor in the way that these teams are playing right now, and you, you factor in the storylines, specifically the quarterback situation with Georgia, the fact that it's in Jordan here for Auburn, and Bo Nix has, has, has turned, flipped the script after having a terrible performance against Georgia State. I think there's reason to believe that, the, uh, that Auburn can stick in this one for a little bit or even win it or win i did mutter that that, that it could happen because while akron and could. alabama state and georgia state may be bad sure uab south carolina and vanderbilt are not all that fantastic either specifically uab and vanderbilt let me ask folks
1: folks this too and then i'll go back to the schedule thing when have you expected auburn to go in and beat georgia and then when you did expect it did it happen Cause I think back to 2016, I expected it,
2: and that did not happen. It's maybe my least favorite Auburn game ever. Yeah, I would agree 100%. with that. Period. One hundred percent. That maybe, was agon- agony. It was my least favorite. Out of all the losses Auburn has had, blowout losses become numb at some point, right? That one was just painful all the way through. Auburn against its rivals, at least across the last fifteen
1: years, defies logic. It does. Plain and simple, just go and look at it. It defies logic. This is what I would dub peak Auburnness, and I think maybe I said that on yesterday's show. I know I've said that a lot off here. It just it, it defies logic a lot of times. Like on paper, yes, Georgia looks to be the better football team than Auburn at this point, and results I think suggest that as well. And they've looked better than Auburn. Sure, when has that ever mattered in, in, in Auburn's rivalry games? It's not. And sure, some years it ends up being a blowout. That is true. It does. Some years that does end up being the narrative that happens. But what we do know is when Auburn has had good football teams, you look at the last four meetings between Auburn and Georgia in Jordan Hare Stadium. They've either the Auburn's gone a two and two, and in the two losses, it's been close. It's been close. It's been one score ball games in the two losses in Jordan Hare Stadium, and those two times that they came here, and this is going back to 2015, Georgia wasn't very good in 2015. Neither was Auburn. Auburn loses by a touchdown honestly they could have pulled that game out and then you look in um 2019 when auburn lost spotted on 21 points but ended up coming back and only lost by a touchdown you know lost 21 to 14 and that crowd was in it you kind of got the feeling that if there was another quarter auburn would have had a would have had a chance if there was another drive auburn may have been able to pull that game off right but then you look in 2017 utter dominance here at home so i and then in 2013 auburn was able to win as well now I, uh, georgia fans will point out that was a fluke you know but i also say i don't think uh I don't think uh, what's his name Aaron Murray scored at the goal line either so, yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if that should have been uh, I don't know if we should have been having to throw up the the prayer and Jordan-Hare anyway so I, you look at this this series between Auburn and Georgia it defies logic in some ways so people want to try and put Auburn into this box that is going to go cookie cutter but Auburn and Jordan-Hare is anything but cookie cutter and I think we have enough evidence now to, to know that that is a true statement
2: i miscalculated auburn auburn's opponents are 12 and 12 not 12 and 14 this okay. season i accidentally added a game to alabama state and georgia, georgia state schedule
1: and before we go back to the phone lines one more time i want to go back to the schedule thing if, if somebody played clemson close right now and lost 10 to 3 to or somebody beat clemson right now 10 to 3 and they only scored three offensive points what would that tell you about that team what the, would that mean to you if that happened right now their offense is not that fantastic and I know Clemson's got a good defense. They do. It's good. I, I think it may even be great. They're missing some really good players right now off that defense too, like Bricey. But if you saw somebody beat them ten to three right now, you're not like, "Good job, dude." You know, I mean, I'd be happy that somebody beat Clemson, but still, like, "Good job, dude." You're a you're a college football playoff contender. You know. So I have questions too about the strength of schedule for Georgia at this point. I understand that. I still think they've played a a strong schedule it's about as strong as you could play through five games oftentimes compared to other teams in college football uh but i think auburn's played a really tough schedule too let's head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 dan's on the line with us dan how's it going
5: pretty good guys how y'all doing
1: doing really well what's on your mind
5: okay look i'm not i may not be perfect on all my information but i've kind of been studying a little bit about the whole georgia thing and like your last caller said okay i'm looking at clemson and yeah, Clemson. Obviously, they got the name. They've been great the last however many years, but their offense really is bad this year. Okay, yeah. Now their defense is good. Okay. Now was that game at Clemson?
1: It was a neutral site game in uh, okay, Charlotte, neutral. North Carolina.
5: Okay, neutral site, and it was ten to three, and Georgia took. It was an interception for a touchdown, to for Georgia to win the game. So, if you look at that game, that means Georgia playing against a good defense, which we know Clemson has a good defense. Then they they had a hard time scoring a lot of points. Okay, so then Georgia plays UAB, which is which we would say is like a chump game, like our chump games. Okay, uh, then you play South Carolina, which everyone has said at the beginning of the year that that was probably going to be the thirteenth, I mean the second to worst SEC team. They don't have any talent the all nine yards. Then they play at Vanderbilt. Okay, so they really haven't played a road game yet. Okay, they, the Vanderbilt on the road is is there's more Georgia fans there than Vanderbilt fans. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then, then they have Arkansas at home. Well, Arkansas goes and plays Texas A&M, which, is, which whether or not Texas a and struggling on offense, that's still a smash-mouth type game. You get beat up in it. It, it was going to happen. But they won that game 20-10, okay? So that, that's a good win. Arkansas looking good. But that's a hard game to play. And then go on the road to play Georgia. Well, Georgia's been sitting there for three weeks just, I mean, resting all their guys, studying up on all the upcoming teams. They really didn't have to do anything. Okay, so they haven't played a true road game. The one defensive team that that was really good on defense that they played, they, they, they struggled like crazy on offense. So I think their their stats are very, you know, yeah, they look fantastic. They look like the best defensive team of all time. <clears throat> but, I mean, is that really them? Is that, you know? And then so Arkansas ran into a buzzsaw because, sure, they were beat up, went on the road, you know. And, and I mean, you know, everyone was, you know, Arkansas is kind of the medium darling right now. But, I mean. I mean, let's just admit it. I mean, that, that's just because they beat Texas Sam doesn't really say a whole lot right now because Texas Sam right. turns around and loses to Mississippi State the next week too. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're obviously nothing what everybody thought they were. So Clemson's nothing what they thought they were. So I think Georgia coming here now from our point, yeah, we've had our Yeah, we overlooked Georgia State. You know, the, the coach was telling us, hey, you know, this is a, a game we gotta prepare. We can't act like it's a jump game. This team's good enough to, to give us a give us a, a tough test and we got exactly the first half. It was a tough test. You know it. And We turned it around the second half, and then we go down and we're beating LSU. You know, you can say, yeah, maybe LSU's down a little bit, but look, it's hard to win at LSU, and we all know that. And we went down there, you know, and I think just the practice of playing at Penn State was huge, you know, going on the road. But this team looks like a game like what just happened could propel this team big time. We're not going into this game thinking we're going to lose. There's not a player on this Auburn team that thinks that. Yeah. And I've seen crazy things happen in Jordan-Hare Stadium. 100%. So, you know what? <clears throat> Let Georgia believe they're the greatest team on the planet. We'll be the happy underdog, and we'll just see what happens on Saturday.
1: I agree with pretty much everything you said there, Dan. Appreciate it, my man.
5: Appreciate it, guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I've kind of said that to you guys off air, too. Let them come in asleep. What did Kyrus Jackson say earlier?
2: Uh, I'd have to pull it up, but he essentially kind of s- paraphrased and said he was going to run up the score. Yeah, he said that we were going to come in, we were going to make it a home game, we were going to run up the score, and then we we're going to leave.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Bulletin board material.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. That's not going to happen this Saturday. But there's reason to believe if you put something out like that, that Auburn will not. Take they're gonna to come that play hard. Time. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna come and they're gonna hit you hard. Keep in mind, this is a guy that has 59 total receiving yards and no touchdowns on the season.
1: I think he's kind of been on and off though on the field. He's, he's like, been doing some injuries. Yeah, yeah, but don't
2: don't come talk like that if you're not out there participating, man. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Sit on the <laughs> sideline. Get healthy and then come out there and prove something. But right now, you've not done anything. Talk about your team. Don't, don't say we, because you've not done anything so far this season, okay? And whether or not you're injured or not, it's not, my, it's not anybody's problem. Go out there and prove it yourself. Fired up. Lance is pumped. Lance is ready to run out. Dude, I'll tell you, Sunday morning I was like, Saturday
1: can't get here, man. Like, wh- like why is this? Why are we a week away?
2: Yeah. I, I, let, me, let me tell you something, man. Like, sure, you can, you can say stuff like that, and that happens in college football all the time. Like, that's the way it is. But that's coming from somebody who's been injured and been sitting on the bench for five games. That's not somebody that's gone out there and participated in 37 nothing wins over Arkansas. That's not somebody that went out there and participated in wins over Clemson, right? If it was coming from the quarterback, I'd feel, I'd feel a little bit more like, okay, like he, he's been a part of this. Quarterbacks
1: don't say things like that, but Kier, not often.
2: Here <laughs> is Jackson's not. So I, 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 I have a little bit of an issue with it because he's not somebody he, – sure, he's on the team, but he's not gone out there and participated. You can't talk smack if you're not out there actually playing.
1: You know, and um, Dan was talking about the the home field edge, you know, playing at Jordan-Hare in this game. I mean, that that's that's tangible as well. I agree with a lot of what he said about strength of schedule and and us not really knowing a whole lot about Arkansas at this point. I mean, I, I, I don't have any disagreements there. And playing this game here is is going to make a big difference than playing this game there. Georgia's not an environment against that defense. I don't want to play Georgia in front of their crowd with that defense. I don't. And defense does travel – but I think Auburn's going to be able to play really well in front of their home crowd with this defense. And he was talking about this being the type of confidence game that, yes, it's very difficult to win in LSU. And, yeah, LSU may be a little bit down. But And I've been saying this to you guys off air. Maybe that's just the confidence that you need to get a boost to to go you know, and make something happen on the schedule against a big team. You go back to 2013, did any of us think Auburn was going to the national championship after they had to get a last-second touchdown against Mississippi State that year? No, exactly. And then no. what? The next uh, was the week before LSU. or Was the week after that LSU? I think that was the. I think LSU was the fourth game of the year. And then Auburn loses by two touchdowns to LSU, and it's like you're still not thinking that. But what happened? They got some confidence later on in the year when they
2: beat a And M, and it took off. Right. This okay. I thought about this over the weekend. I was gonna say it on the show. Lance this, is pumped. This could be Auburn's 2013 AM game. The could offense be. has not completely taken off yet, right? The defense is still figuring things out and making adjustments. If Auburn's going to go out there and shock the world and kind of put things together, this is the game where it could happen. Against one of the best teams in the country right now, supposedly, they could go in there uh, in Jordan-Hare and just shock a lot of people. This could be the momentum shift that Auburn needs. And it could not be. It could not be at the same time. But if we're going to reference this to a game that we've seen specifically with with auburn in the past in a season where they 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 had a lot of turmoil at the beginning and then they took off this could be the game
1: enter belichick something
3: to add uh yeah it's also a 230 cbs game to draw more parallels
2: There you There
1: you go homecomings will be happening around that time i remember i was uh i was still in high school for that game and i was going to homecoming and i had to i was getting ready and i was driving over to um my date's uh my date's house and um at the time Auburn was down and I thought it was over and I get over there and all of a sudden it's like you're back in it and uh, things massively turn around for Auburn obviously and so uh, I don't I don't know if I like the A&M comparison as much as maybe some other seasons like 2016 Auburn's one and two and then somehow found a way you know you, hit, you had that Arkansas game where all of a sudden this team was like oh we can we can do some stuff like we can beat down some teams. You know? sounds
2: like we need to run the ball more effectively and the, and the team's like we hear you we got you 500 rushing yards there you go right there
1: i mean i think there's little bits of other seasons that you can look at and kind of draw comparisons to but there's no way to know until we see on saturday how auburn plays but i i that 14 point line man 14 and a half points right now is where it's at i i think auburn covers it still and may very well win it but let's take a break here back on on the line noah gardner and lance doll with you on espn 1067 at fox sports central alabama scc east hierarchy we have given our power rankings for the scc west now let's divide it up and go into the scc east lands at the top is auburn's opponent i think you and i would both agree nobody else in the east has done enough to warrant knocking off georgia from that first place spot even though kentucky is undefeated right now i think we would both agree that georgia should be at the top of the scc so now that that is out of the way
2: number two kentucky kentucky yeah and we've talked Which about it gross. a little bit before on the show um, I don't think Kentucky's as good of a football team as their record re- represents right now. Their but past, they've done enough. Their past four games have been decided by one score, and yes, the game against Chattanooga is included in that. It was a 28-23 to 23 win. It's gross. But, you know, something that they do really, really well is they force turnovers. They are currently tied for first in the nation and turnovers forced by their defense this season. But they only have three interceptions, so they cause fumbles. They hit hard. They play good defense. Are they going to be able to do that for the rest of the season I don't think so because this offense is bad and look they've been bailed out a few times they've been given a ton of opportunities because the defense forces turnovers I don't think that's going to happen consistently throughout the rest of the year I don't think specifically you look at this Georgia game here for Kentucky in a couple weeks that's going to be a game where I think Kentucky's not going to be able to get some turnovers and their offense is going to stall not only is Georgia's defense good but they're they're just not going to be able to get those the, the, the field position they're not going to be able to benefit from those turnovers so Kentucky right now 5-0 second best team in the east sure we saw them beat Kentucky or Florida rather it's hard to put Florida over Kentucky after after losing to the Wildcats so see I I think that
1: was more and and we talked a little bit about this yesterday and I hope to talk about it more today but looks like we're running a little bit of time with some of the stuff that we planned today but Florida lost that game Kentucky didn't win it that was my vibe after it they were holding on for dear life at the end of it you break down some of the statistics in the ball game that I'm going to bring up but Florida had 50 penalties in Lexington and and that was a takeaway that I did have in that ball game was that I was impressed with Kroger Field they were loud they were proud and they forced Florida into mistakes I, I, I was like am I watching a game in Lexington or am I watching a game that's taking place in Death Valley why in the world is Florida committing three straight false start penalties inside their own territory because of crowd noise and it looks like they had they had not played in a road environment like this at this point, and I mean that's kind of true. Has Florida played someone in that intense of a road environment yet? I don't think so. And they get their first taste of it at Kroger Field, and the noise heavily impacted them. They still were able to outgain Kentucky by a large margin, and I'm about to have those stats up for you. All right, so team stats right here. They outgained Kentucky 382 yards to 224. 15 penalties is enough to kill drives one negative play on a drive significantly impacts your ability to move the chains And a lot of times if it's a penalty, especially with the fact that they had 15 for 115 yards Those weren't just five yard penalties. Those were 15 here 10 here 15 here. Oh, let's throw in a five You know, it was ruining drives for them left and right Even though they were able to move the football fairly well. They had 21 first downs to Kentucky's 13 Kentucky was one for nine on third downs if you take away the, the blocked field goal for a touchdown, this is, this thing's going to overtime and it's thirteen to thirteen, and then it's anybody's ball game. Sure, but you take a look at the penalties, and it all makes sense. The passing attack for Florida was thirty uh, was twenty four for thirty two, so they only had eight incompletions. Emory Jones had a touchdown and a pick. He was twenty three for thirty one, two hundred three yards. Not great not horrendous. He didn't go out there and win the game for his team, but I don't think he lost it for his team either. He, the, As a team, Florida was still able to run the ball for 4.4 yards per carry against what we believe to be a good defense at Kentucky. We do believe that, and I will take that 4.4 yards to say, okay, they did a pretty good job on the ground. You look at the statistics here. If I left everything out but the penalties, okay, and I told you Florida had 21 first downs, Kentucky had 13. Florida had 382 total yards. Kentucky had 224. Who do you think would have won?
2: Florida. And they
1: didn't. Why?
2: Because they had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. And they
1: shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. This passing game is not good enough for them not to stay ahead of the chains on the first couple of downs of the drive. They have to run the football effectively, and they have to avoid penalties. If not, the passing game is not going to convert on third down and long. It's just not. That's not Emory Jones, and that's fine if you know that. You have to make sure you're playing clean. You have to make sure you're not committing holding penalties. You have to make sure that you're not committing false start on first down three times in a row. You have to make sure that you're running the football effectively and staying ahead of the chains. and if you can, it's going to work. And it did work across uh, against several of the teams that they've played up to this point this year, but it didn't this past weekend because they didn't play clean. We'll keep going through the SEC East hierarchy when we come back. Georgia, Kentucky at the top. We'll go three through seven when we come back.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Still giving our SEC East power rankings here. Give our SEC West power rankings earlier on in the show. If you missed any of the show so far, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Georgia number one, Kentucky number two,
2: three gotta be Florida right SEC is pretty easy to rank out I think yeah it's Florida for me right now because you look at some of these other teams very similar to what we were doing at the bottom of the SEC West it's like they've played each other yeah it's like well Florida beat Tennessee so how can you put them above I know that Tennessee just scored 62 points but they scored it against one of the worst teams in the SEC East in my opinion so we
1: don't know if they aren't the worst Vanderbilt and Missouri haven't played yet.
2: Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We thought the UConn-Vandy game was the Super Bowl. Y'all wait until Missouri and Vandy play each other. That's going to be a fun one. But yeah, Florida at third for me right now. And I, I, I would not be surprised if they overcome that and they end up finishing uh, second in the uh, the east because Kentucky loses games that we we, –
1: I'm to be it's... shocked if Tennessee upset at Kentucky later on.
2: Yeah, I, I Kentucky agree.
1: can lose to LSU this weekend. Kentucky, They've got a
2: tough west schedule. Kentucky could finish fourth at the end of the day. They're second right now. They could finish fourth in my mind.
1: Kentucky plays Mississippi State and Tennessee – or excuse me, not Tennessee. T- Kentucky plays LSU and Mississippi State out of the west. Those could be
2: two losses. Absolutely. Is the Mississippi State game at, at Lexington, or is it in Starkville? It's in Starkville. That could be a loss. Could be. That could be a loss. You talk about Mississippi State needing to get into bowl eligibility. That's a game. Fathomably,
1: Kentucky could lose their next four games.
2: They host LSU. They're at Georgia. At Mississippi State. Host Kentucky. Oh, they host who? Who, who does Kentucky host at the last? Uh, Tennessee. The, oh, okay. That. Yeah. Absolutely i don't be. think
1: they're going to but uh, they, there's going to be an assortment of losses in there that could move florida ahead of them at the end when it's all said done but florida also lost to alabama they already had an sec loss now they have two if kentucky still finishes with just two they're ahead of them in the standings at the end of the year that's true. kentucky or florida ain't beating georgia i don't think at this point that's not that is not my i do not think that they will do that so but that opinion could change after this
2: weekend. So Florida, <laughs> Florida would potentially then have three SEC losses and then you'd be looking at a potential fourth on the road at LSU. So Or Mississippi State or, or Tennessee. No, I'm talking for I'm talking for uh, for Florida. Oh, my bad. So there's three there's three losses there and then Kentucky right now, they don't have an SEC loss. Yeah, they, there's still so much opportunity for these teams to either catch catch fire or just screw up. So Right now, though, Kentucky second in the in the East. Four, uh, four is Tennessee for me, and it's because of the offensive show showing that we saw. They figured Missouri. it out. They... Why did Joe Milton start at the beginning of the year? We I genuinely don't really know. Something that you and I were talking about. It was like, well, we know we feel like Hendon Hooker's the better quarterback. Joe Milton could could probably, like uh, Uncle Rico, throw football over the mountains, but that's probably all about that he can do. He's not accurate. Doesn't have touch on the ball. Hendon Hooker is just a more polished quarterback 10
1: tds to one pick already man and i think he's a little
2: bit more mobile
1: right yes he's he's more he's got more speed he's quicker can,
2: uh, tennessee was able to do what boston college kind of did and even what central michigan did which is like okay we're just going to run the football and see if he can stop that and when they couldn't it was like tennessee is like okay we're gonna throw the ball now and they dropped 62 on him so tennessee moving forward that's an offense that i would not want to mess with at number five I have South Carolina over Missouri the reason I have South Carolina over Missouri is because the defense for Missouri is so bad like that is so bad South Carolina while they may not be winning games by like a big margin they still feel like when you watch them they just feel more sound than Missouri is right uh, up until this point I I think Luke Doty statistically at the end of the year you're going to look and be like oh he wasn't a great quarterback but he didn't lose some games and I think that having him back now is a good thing something to build on there and when you play teams like Missouri probably gonna have a pretty good uh you're probably gonna have some pretty good stats so I'll just say that so looking down the road and looking what these teams have done now I think now and at the end of the season unlike Florida and Kentucky potentially swapping I think South Carolina is just simply the better team and you talked earlier about them potentially getting to a bowl. yeah I'm
1: about to break that down for you so South Carolina I don't think they played Georgia poorly I mean, they lost forty to thirteen. They got blown out, but we expected that. I thought they're I thought they held up fairly well. I did. I thought that they played hard. This team plays really hard. They're not good, but they play hard. And that could be enough for them to get to a bowl game this year with what is a pretty darn easy schedule from here out, based off of how underwhelming some of these teams are. They're on the road at Tennessee. I think they will lose that game this weekend. The line is set at ten and a half. With the way that set, with how hard South Carolina plays, I mean they only lost by six to Kentucky. It's very possible that Tennessee could skewer them. It could happen. I mean, because they can score a lot and they can score more points than Kentucky can at this point of the offensive side of the ball. But South Carolina's gonna play hard. They may be able to keep that close, but I'm still expecting them to lose that. Now you're looking at a three and three South Carolina team. Host Vanderbilt, let's get to four and three. All right. Gamecocks are four and three at that point. Then you're on the road at Texas AM in October, mid October, October 23rd. They're at Texas AM. You're four and three can you win that game mississippi state just did and i don't think mississippi state's great and if south carolina can go they're going to have to exert a lot of effort to do that say they do pull that upset now you're looking at a five and three south carolina team going into a florida game that they host which probably will be a loss but say, you know they get they, a
2: buy before it
1: yeah let's say just for you know our purposes here they're five and four after that your last three games are against missouri auburn and clemson can you find a win
2: yes i
1: think you can you
2: can find two clemson's losing i just hope
1: you know i hope auburn doesn't get trapped there again which i don't think that they will and i still don't think south carolina is a good football team but the schedule is so easy they need to find three wins against the
2: likes of tennessee vanderbilt a&m missouri and clemson can you do it that's so doable like if your team's playing this hard, you can you can upset somebody and you can you can find a couple wins.
1: Reality, this team could finish seven and five if they get a lot better really quick rapidly. If they don't, which I don't think they will, you're looking at a five or a six win South Carolina team. You're really toeing the line there. I think they lose to Tennessee this week. I think they lose to Florida. I think they lose to Auburn. Can they beat uh, you know three teams out of Clemson, Missouri, A&M?
2: Vanderbilt that's kind of something that we were talking about this offseason it's like what what constitutes what qualifies as a successful season for South Carolina it's flirting with bowl eligibility the fact that they could potentially get there we're talking about that five weeks into the season I think it already shows look this team has some fight in them and if if Shane Beamer can install what he wants to install and he can get his recruits in this program could have success down the line
1: well you have to keep in mind Luke Doty's only been playing for a few weeks too so so like it's kind of like the real season began for South Carolina a couple of weeks ago. Can they get there? Once again, you got to win three out of those four games that I listed because I'm expecting them to lose to Tennessee, Auburn, and Florida. Can you win three out of those four games right there? That's very difficult to do. So I, I do think that they will probably miss a bowl game this year, but they are going to get dangerously close. And I will be thoroughly entertained if the battle for the Palmetto State is a 5-6 and six South Carolina team going against a Clemson team that will be a couple of games above 500, probably a seven-win team at that point. I will be thoroughly entertained, locked in, going into that ballgame on that Saturday. That'll be fun. It
2: will be. It will be fun.
1: After that, you've got Missouri and Vanderbilt in yes. that order?
2: Yeah, I have Missouri over Vanderbilt.
1: Do we know that for
2: sure, though? <laughs> do we know that? Because Missouri currently has the fifth-worst defense in the nation. I think Vanderbilt's playing hard. They're trying. They tried against UConn did you see did you see how that game ended did you see how that game ended against UConn I didn't because so, I didn't want to watch that you well it happened the reason I got to watch it is because Auburn LSU went to halftime and I was like oh okay I think UConn Vandy's close let me flip over thank goodness that was the way that the time worked out well, hey, because, it's Joseph Boulivis because here's what happened though UConn was down and they needed to score a touchdown it was fourth and 18 uconn's quarterback drops back he gets a little pressure he steps up and just throws a prayer 18 yards looks about as far as he could could have thrown it throws a prayer up on the right sideline and it looks like it's going to be picked off there are two vanderbilt defenders there over the receiver they jump up they volleyball it as the uconn receiver is coming down it kind of bounces on his arm and he catches it for the first down and a couple plays later the uconn quarterback who probably runs a 5.8 just like kind of barrels in waddles in for a touchdown and then uh, Vanderbilt and Ken Seals went down the field, had a couple of P.I. calls, I believe, go against UConn. And then UConn's coach used all three of his timeouts to triple ice Vanderbilt's kicker, and Vanderbilt's kicker snuck it in the left upright as time expired.
1: Vanderbilt's kicker is ex-Alabama kicker Joseph Bullevis. Yep,
2: yep. There's a reason they got rid of him. Because oh. he was uh, he was cutting them close, apparently, at Alabama. He was cutting them close against uh, here at Vanderbilt. So.
1: Vandy is at Florida this weekend. And then after that, these are the next (laughs) – yeah, it's not going to go well. But after that, these next three games are at South Carolina, home game against Mississippi State, and a home game against Missouri. You're playing the three worst teams that the SEC has to offer aside from yourself. Try and win one of them (laughs) because you'll mess up one of those teams years really bad.
2: It would be awesome. Right now, if I had to guess, if if Vanderbilt's going to beat somebody else in the SEC, it's Missouri right now. You think so? I think so. That it almost def- seems too logical, though. That, that defense is so bad. It's, it, it's, it's just like I, I could gain five yards on a, on a play. Like if I wanted to, if I just want quarterback draw, five yards. I like the, the optimism. <laughs> I think I could. Look, look man, I, if, if I had an SEC O-line, I would get five yards on Missouri.
1: All right, so we've done SEC East, SEC West hierarchy. Now I'm going to ask you, best team in the conference, Alabama or Georgia?
2: I think right now it's Bama. I think it's Alabama. I don't think we. I, don't, I think that, that that Georgia has gone out there and they've done what they needed to do up until this point. They've dominated, like I mentioned earlier. Statistically, they're dominating, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But I feel like Alabama's just a little bit more of a complete team, and they've played a couple of teams that I feel like when you look at Georgia's schedule as opposed to Alabama's, more difficult. The teams that Alabama's faced: Florida, Ole Miss. Throw Miami in there, I guess. Um, but they've beaten three ranked teams they've beaten three ranked teams right now Miami Clemson who would you take in that game (laughs) that would be that would be rough
1: Miami found something with their quarterback that they played I it's Van something
2: what is it I don't I don't even remember man
1: it's Van something it's not Derrick King anymore and they found a little bit of energy there late in that ball game to come back against Virginia on Thursday night but you know kickers it's fun I was texting I was texting you two live as that happened. I said, "I hope this field goal gets blocked." And then what happened? <laughs> it got blocked. Uh, it didn't get blocked. It
2: hit the upright. I was like, "That's actually kind of better than what I was hoping." For. Tyler Van Dyke, right now on the season, four touchdowns, no picks.
1: He played pretty well. He did. He played pretty well for for Miami in lieu of Derek King not being the starting quarterback or, or not being the QB that Miami went with that day. Uh, so they found a little bit there for with him. Can Miami improve with it? I, Miami's. I said to you earlier today, I said I wouldn't be shocked if you look at a coaching carousel that has Wisconsin, LSU, Florida State, Miami, and USC this year in the offseason.
2: Which would be wild. But be there aren't enough. Wild.
1: There aren't enough. And that's not me calling for these coaches' heads. I'm just looking at the trajectory of those coaches and how their teams are performing and how long they've been there and kind of the vibe and the discontentment from those fan bases and, and, and from those programs right now. There aren't enough coaches out there to support those to support those openings that where it would make sense, you're like, yeah, that there's a no doubter there that, that those guys would turn it around, you know? Yes. Like I,
2: I don't know if I trust a lot of the candidates out there to fill those voids. Somebody has got to take a chance. Some program is going to have to take a chance because if you're last in this coaching carousel potentially, if you're last to get to a to a coach that you think is able to kind of lead your program back to where it was, uh you're gonna have to take a chance on a guy like brian harson with all oh, i thought you were about to say that brian harson would be a candidate i was like no. ah <laughs> tell you who I uh, jokingly i told somebody the other day would be a candidate for lsu gus malzahn just i i, I know what it about would... lane kiffin right down the road so i also said that but uh, to to them but i was like it, i it's never going to happen i just want to see what would happen if gus malzahn got a couple of years at lsu
1: what if gus turns it around and ucf this year and can find his way into one of those florida jobs
2: man Man, oh man, that would be, I I would, I wouldn't want him at Florida in the SEC, and honestly, I wouldn't want him at LSU uh, in the SEC. Well, I was at Florida State or Miami, right? Or yeah, well, I wouldn't want him like in this in this region, is what I'm saying. Like like with an opportunity for him to play Auburn, right? Is what I'm saying. So I just I, I don't. Like, I, th-
1: I thought back in the off season when we were talking about this. I asked you and Christian Clemente if you wanted to see Auburn
2: play them, and I thought you said you did. In against UCF, yeah, with uh. the UCF, yeah, but not with a team like Miami, who Auburn scheduled to play now here. Uh, well, that's in, in, true. A few Forgot years down the line. That. That, that's what I'm saying. Is like if Auburn decides to schedule Florida State, and they they have Miami on the table, or like like if 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 he ends up at at an SEC school, wouldn't want to see it happen. Let's take a quick break here. We wrap up the show when we come back.
1: Mm-hmm. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Thank you to all the calls that we've had today. Shane, Dan, appreciate you guys calling in to On the Line today. Want to hear from everybody throughout the week. There's a big game on Saturday, guys. There was a big game this past Saturday. There's another one. And the next week, there's another one. And then there's a bye week. And then there's another one and then there's another one is there after that one because a&m may be ripped to shreds by that point it it may it may be like you know a paper shredder level uh, of you know issues at A&M in, in a couple of weeks
2: I still think it's like the the atmosphere and stuff about it is going to be fun it's like oh Auburn should go in here and win this game but it's going to be somewhat competitive those are the games that are, are probably some of the most entertaining right when you play the Mississippi States in the Ole Miss and, 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 and Ole Misses of the past like you know Auburn's got a shot to win this game they're probably going to win it but it's still going to be somewhat competitive and you're going to find out things about your team so those are probably the most fun games to me
1: I'm hoping by the time that Auburn plays A&M on in November I'm hoping Auburn's a, you know, a two-touchdown favorite at that point.
2: Might be. Might be. Might be. We'll have to see what happens <laughs> this weekend.
1: All right, let's wrap up the show today with some Saturday takeaways. We haven't talked a whole lot about what happened this past weekend outside of Auburn at LSU, and then the Alabama Ole Miss game yesterday as well that we talked about. Speaking of the devil, Mississippi State, Texas a and 26-20. Yeah, what happened?
2: Like, we'll Tell
1: what, you what happened. Will Rogers.
2: <laughs> he great value in. brand.
1: Aaron Rodgers. I don't
2: think. I don't think he had a turnover. I think he threw for over four hundred yards. I mean, he did everything that he needed to do against what was at the time the number one pass defense in America, statistically at least. Thought, we thought. So, and Zach Calzada is still not the answer at quarterback he tried to do his best Max Johnson impression throwing the ball behind himself in the end zone that ended up being the safety at the end of the game it's just man this this team right now for A&M you know we thought the defense was going to be kind of like the thing that this team would kind of rely on right even without even without like a true quarterback but they seem to be having issues on both sides of the football right now
1: but in the preseason you and I also said that it would buy them time, but eventually the offense would have to get it together. Right. I thought it would have bought them more time than this, but it hasn't.
2: And let me tell you who else is not playing very well, and he was not in either of our top three, I don't believe, and I don't think he was on any, either of our ballots for, for best running back in the SEC whenever we were at media days. Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller. And we've we, He might be, sure, he might be having... Uh, a pretty solid season he's rushed for over 100 yards in three games but those have been against Kent State New Mexico and Mississippi State this past this uh, past weekend but we've if we, we I thought that bringing in Haynes King you would try and rely on him and the stable of backs that A&M has and kind of let that be the offense so far this season We've not really seen them get much of anything going.
1: Well, there's not really an identity on offense right now. They only allowed Calzada to throw it 22 times. That's not a, that's not a lot of trust in your QB. And AM and still ran the ball fairly well against Mississippi State. I think they averaged over five yards per carry. That's not – I mean, that's good. They, they were able to run the football. But at the end of the day, you and I talked about this earlier, if you can't throw the ball, you can't win. At least not on a consistent basis, you know. Like, if you can run the ball so well that, like, it doesn't matter that you can throw the ball – you probably played a bad football team. If you're, if you're playing a good football team, you have to be able to throw the football.
2: You absolutely have to. Moving on to our next
1: game, Tennessee 62, Missouri 24.
2: This was not something that I expected. I expected this game to be closer. We, I picked Missouri to win because I didn't know whether or not Hooker was going to be healthy for this game, but it didn't really matter because Tennessee ran the ball at will, and they just kind of established themselves in the trenches, and Missouri's quarterback, Connor Basilac just couldn't get it done in the end. The offense for Tennessee, like I said earlier in the show, would not want to face these guys right now. UT may go to a bowl game now. They I, I
1: actually kinda like I like their chances to be able to get there. They still get to play Vanderbilt, they still get to play South Carolina. And then uh, this week, they are, they are playing South Carolina this week. I'm trying to think. Don't, don't they have one more non-conference game on their schedule as well, or have they already Tennessee, played their non-conference opponents? Tennessee plays South Alabama late in
3: the
2: year. That is I right. Think.
1: So there's their third win right there. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and South Alabama. You win uh, all three of those
2: games right there, you're going to a bowl game. Yep. Can we please, can we please this next game? Can we talk about Cincinnati-Notre Dame? Let's do it. Cincinnati-Notre Dame, 24-13. I know you're excited. This was a game from the jump, 17 to nothing in halftime. Cincinnati didn't go out there, and they weren't world beaters, but they took control of the game. And while it got interesting late, they just they didn't look back. And I know Notre Dame's got quarterback issues right now, and that's, that's, all, that's all they need to kind of derail their season, right? Because they, they tried three guys, and none, none of them worked. Uh, I really like uh, when Cincinnati is doing on both sides of the ball right now. They're just out there winning. And if they go undefeated this season, they may not make the playoff, but in terms of where a group of five team has been positioned in the past and in potentially in the future this may be the closest a group of five team ever gets to get actually getting into the playoff because it's so chaotic this season.
1: You can make a legitimate argument if they win out based on the fact that they tried to play a difficult schedule, they tried you, they you, you can't fault them for the fact that Indiana and Notre Dame were not as good as we thought they were going to be when you scheduled them, but you can. It, that's not faulting them for playing that, but also at the same time, you can't guarantee that these guys are a top four team in the country with their current schedule. But it is ideal for them the way that they are being ranked in the polls. What are they, fifth right now, right behind Penn State? So that is ideal for them right now that at least AP voters view that. But will the College Football Playoff Committee view it the same way? And I i don't think so i don't know if they can do enough this year to get in and that's crazy to think because and i've said this the playoff isn't for a group of five teams it's absolutely not you can't do enough to get in because if you're a good group of five team nobody wants to schedule you you're not gonna be able to get three or four great non-conference teams to be able to get you in so i think they're gonna have a hard time that's it for another additional by the line we'll see you tomorrow same time same place you know where to find us